0: And up next is Jennifer Stone. Happy ending. Nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy ending. Just divide up those in darkness from the ones who live in light, yes. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. Yes, that's it. That's Bertold Brecht, folks. Uh, the great one, the man who um, told us, uh, you know, that the times, they were a-changing back then, as now. That's the one thing you can count on. So. Something's going to radically change. Today is Tuesday, November the 21st, 2006, and this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. And day after tomorrow is turkey time. Ah, Thanksgiving the day that millions of American women, well, moms, get up at dawn, Plunge a fist into a turkey's posterior, pardon me, yes. We moms, mothers, do this to prove our love, our devotion to family values. That's enough negativity, Jennifer. Accentuate the positive, yes. That's my new rule, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, And don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Actually, yes, I am for Mr. In-Between. The election proved that uh, the middle way might just be possible. Things can turn around. That doesn't mean they're going to go anywhere. But, uh, you know, you call a halt. uh, A stay of execution, that sort of thing, you know. My favorite uh, wisecrack is to say that the Republicans are... Uh, have a license to kill, and the Democrats usually can be counted on for a stay of execution, although not always. I just uh, thank whatever gods may be that Henry Hyde is no longer stalking the halls of Congress. Jesse Helms is gone. Think of all those that came and went. Thank God they went. Um, In any case, as always... We're going to watch this political process. We're going to watch the ways that the military-industrial complex soaks up dissent like a sponge again. (sighs) Add Democrats and stir. We're back in the same old soup. Oh, dear, there I am still on the dark side of the road. History is still that nightmare from which I am struggling to awaken. Who said that? Ah, Mark Twain said something like that. Uh, he was right. Mark Twain said that only man, only our species, is capable of anything as absurd as a moral sense. He considered the moral sense a kind of perversion, uh, something that drives men to murder for a metaphor. You know, that uh, religious stick. I think it's interesting. I used to talk about morality a little bit. I used to say that morality had something to do with the desire, the desire to uh, lessen suffering on earth. But then I just got all this feedback saying, no, 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 it's all about um, um, fornication or something. So I think the word moral has lost its. Uh, "'Lost its use. Doesn't mean anything anymore. "'Ethical is a little better, but not much. Uh, "'Oh, bloody hell, obviously. "'I'm listening to the winds of solitude "'roaring at the edge of infinity, "'the wolves of evil baying down the void. "'Yes, those are the lines that come to me "'at four o'clock in the morning. Hmm. (laughs) "'I'm sure I stole them from someone.' I wonder if anyone I know is making oyster stuffing this year. Let's try to brighten up. Jennifer, yes, my older son is coming to visit me on the 30th. I hope I have a lot of leftovers. I think I'm I'm pretty good. He said he just wanted to come and read Winnie the Pooh and rest up. Let's uh, see, Paul is 44? No, 46 now. He's an old dude. Anyway, uh... I guess I'll just make a lot of stuffing and stuff myself with that and uh, get into the spirit of gluttony, yes, comfort food, giblet gravy. Remember how blessed it is to be alive, considering the alternatives. I will give thanks for that, for breath, yes, as Beckett would say, (laughs) yes, I feel no worse at this time of year than at any other time. Surely it is good to breathe, to overeat. According to um, that magazine put out by the Smithsonian, there are now more people on earth overweight than starving. Now, that's a global statistic. Several listeners have corrected me on that, but it is true. Uh, you know, even in China, there's a lot of fat folks. Um, global statistic more people, slightly more people, fat or overweight than starving now that's a little bit tricky there to measure but it is hard to believe I love statistics I just love statistics my dear son my older son always sends me statistics (laughs) he says uh, here's a letter it says dear mom I know you love this kind of stuff where does the money go he says oh The federal government spent 2.654 trillion in 2006. Big winners, Department of Homeland Security increased spending from 38.7 billion to 69.1 billion. Phew. Medicare, uh, gross spending increased from 339.4 billion to 381.8 billion and on and on and on. Anyway, actually the most um, money went to the investors, people who invest in interest payments uh interest on the federal debt uh let 's see fifteen point two percent more than the year before anyway, the biggie folks is that the uh, pentagon's budget this year's pentagon budget went from went from four seven nine billion or $99 billion. That's an increase of $20 billion. But that doesn't count the $63 billion over budget that was just approved two weeks ago. <laughs> so, in a case like that, why shouldn't we just eat, drink, and be merry? These stu- stupido absurdisms are enough to make you giddy. Um, what a misanthrope I am become. I think it is my great age. I'm nothing like KPFA's dear own Mike Alcole. Now, I know you heard on the news that Mike Alcole has died this past Sunday. Uh, I've been remembering how brave he was and how much courage and good humor he always had. He knew that every moment was precious. You know, every moment is goodbye. I first met Dr. Mike Alcole in the 1980s. When he did a show here at KPFA, uh, it was called AIDS in Focus. He himself lived with AIDS for 20 years, two decades. I often forgot that he was ill. He eventually died of leukemia this past Saturday. Now, Mike would make a joke about his T-cell count and make it sound like my own griping about, you know, high cholesterol or something. He was a true healer. I was raised around doctors, and I know the ones that are, uh, genuine. He actually, he was a doctor who made house calls, no joke. Uh, a while back, I remember needing his help, and he just came right over, uh, he had that truly loving presence, very intense, passionately devoted to the cause of decriminalizing pot, uh, getting beyond all the vicious drug war nonsense, uh. I wanted to mention in that connection, my friend Claire Birch has a feature film in progress. I talked about it, I think, once before. It was airing over at the uh, Unitarian Church, over the, uh, on uh, Cedar and Bonita at the Unitarian Fellowship. It's called uh, California Chronicles of Medical Marijuana, and it's Claire Birch's movie. uh, We'll be hearing more about that soon. Hopefully, hopefully things are changing. Uh, Mike Alcalay always took care of others. That included uh, his help with the medical marijuana. He took care of his own father. I remember asking him if that was wise, uh, you know, because he was ill. And he said it was really a great comfort to be able to take care of his father in the most basic ways, uh, Courage is what that is called. Loving compassion, hands-on care, the kind of thing that my father used to do back in the 50s. I remember we'd go into the projects and he'd just come out carrying a patient, take him over to the Brookside emergency room, that sort of thing, you know. Uh. Compassion is the passion for all, for everyone, uh, I know that Mike's children must feel that his life was heroic and that he was one of those who knew all about gratitude. Uh, he was thankful for whatever came to him. Uh, he was also brilliant and very funny. Uh He was uh, affectionate, a hand-kisser, you know. Uh Especially, oh, he was especially funny when he set out to give me an argument. Get very serious. He did not approve once I said that uh, I was one of Hillary's hellcats. I think I said it on the airwaves. And he gave me a stern lecture on the error of her ways. Yes, HRC and the error of her ways. (laughs) Check out, check out Katha Pollitt in the current issue of The Nation. She and Maureen Dowd uh, have done some pretty funny stuff on Hillary and Nancy Pelosi, that kind of thing. Uh, I will miss Mike Alcolay. Dr. Mike Alcolay died, yes, of leukemia last Saturday. But his work did not die. His work continues. We take on his spirit, yes. I brought those lines from the Grateful Dead, but I don't feel up to reading them. It always makes me blubber. I'll have to uh just take some stuffing for Mike this year and for all my other dead dears, you know, all the ones who have left us and to whom we now owe reverence and remembrance and affection. We owe it to them to hang in, to hang on, try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Yes, Nancy Pelosi, remember, she only weighs about a hundred pounds, so don't be mean. Try to see how much she is struggling. Maybe she won't be able to do more than damage control for a little while here. Uh I I hope she isn't distracted by all this flack she's taking, uh, you know, not just from right-wingers, but the flack she's going to have to take from the far-left folks who want her to prosecute these neocons. Nancy Pelosi will need all her energy, starting in... Well, starting right now. Uh, Oh, a 100 pounds is not very strong, yes. I think California's women are so special. Not just Nancy Pelosi, but Barbara Boxer, um, Diane Feinstein, not to everyone's taste, but I think we have to just... um, Remember the art of the possible, right, the art of the possible, that's politics. These women are front and center. And the uh, congressional women of color uh, strike me as uh, just amazing, full of courage, courage to burn. Uh, Barbara Lee, Maxine Waters, and the women from Texas, uh, they're part of my feminist utopia, I think these women on the hill, uh, I can just visualize a, uh, a daily primetime television show where they educate the citizens, not just the students, but all of us. Uh, lessons, town hall civics classes. God, that's something we need to have come back. Uh, just think what 20 minutes a day could do to teach uh, civics. On the TV, yes, even Orson Welles used to say that we had a chance to change the world with this new media. Besides, all those women are fun. Uh, they're theatrical. Oprah, eat your heart out, you know. Actually, Oprah could be the the um, the leader of the pack, yes. As Hillary Clinton used to say, we've got to put the fun back into politics. Uh, laughter, it's the first symptom of enlightenment, uh, as we all know, the emotional climate in Washington, D.C. has become toxic, bitter. Now, I know politicians have always been contentious. But today, this nasty, uncivil war between the political parties, you know, among the factions, has become positively un-American, ugly, mean-spirited. Uh You know, they're more interested in uh getting each other than in taking care of the people there's no more of that old loyal opposition business you know I watch the Q&A in the British House of Commons I love that on uh, uh, C-SPAN on TV watching those Brits Uh, (laughs) the members of Parliament delight in their um, wisecracks the melodrama they enjoy their satirical uh, witty exchanges I think their style becomes part of their substance. You know, it helps them keep things in perspective. They kind of goose each other, you know. It's as if they were saying, you know, I've got to hang you out to dry. And of course, I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's only to make a point. They have fun with it. Uh, You know, try to watch our Congress on C-SPAN. And uh, it is a grim picture. It's a snoozer. Worst of all, you see some sincere congressperson talking to an empty house. Now, that's prophetic. You know, sometimes the camera pans back and you see that they're just reading notes, talking to themselves, uh literally and figuratively. <laughs> the president, of course, talks to no one. Bush, maybe he talks to himself, you know, or to his heavenly father, uh The joke today is that George Herbert Bush, his dad, uh, that gang has had to rally round the flag and save the wayward teenage son, yes, the Baker boys, all the fellows that were around George Herbert Bush have come to try to rescue uh, little George, George II. Uh, Most historians, most of us know that the First lesson in history uh, is the lesson about keeping the dialogue going. The 20th century taught us that. uh, Complaints always arise. uh, People snarl that talk isn't solving anything, you know. Bush is always saying, well, you can't talk to those people because they don't agree with you, you know. But then we notice that conflict hasn't started either. That is to say, there's no violence. You remember that uh, little book called Everything I Know I Learned in Kindergarten? No hitting. Use words, not weapons. We learn that when we're five. Angry men complain that talking and arguing can go on forever. You know, it's so boring. Goes on for generations and indeed it does and it can yadda yadda. <laughs> and in some lands the children's children are still at it. kvetching, and oh, no sitting in a circle trying to come to consensus, but they're still breathing, they're still alive. There's a wonderful story I used to use in high school. It was about two tribes in uh Central Africa. I believe they stood on either side of a, a river a stream, and every year they would stand there and scream insulting epithets at one another. Once in a while, somebody'd throw a weapon, and maybe there'd be a wound or two. But basically, they were separated by this water, and they'd have this contest of hollering and screaming and uh, expressing themselves in their anger. And the British came and. And took over the uh, uh, tribe and said, no, you can't do that anymore. You're not supposed to have these fights, either one or the other tribe, yes. And so they put a stop to it. And of course, then people began to get murdered at night and um, the real blood began to flow. Uh, anyway, uh, in some lands, some talkers grow wise enough to understand that nothing's going to change for anyone anywhere until fathers learn to love their sons more than they hate their enemies, until parents love their children, love the future more than they hate those who did them wrong. The sins of the fathers are always the sins of hate inherited, passed on. It is our task, the task of all parents, all peoples, fathers and mothers, it is our task to set the children free, to release them from, what, nationalism, from all the isms, from all the tribalisms, from family feuds, the horrible things that turn into wars, from the chains of carnage that clans cling to over the centuries. It's pretty hard, you know, to set your children free. This psychic sickness of George Bush the son and George Bush the dad have had their hour center stage. Back to Oedipus Rex, it's a Greek tragedy. I think we should become modernists, yes. (laughs) Exit laughing, it looks like there's no exit these days. Give us a break, guys, give us a break. Uh, In any case, this week... This week, we have uh, to look forward to many, many things. Uh, I made notes on some of them, mostly on the KPFA Holiday Crafts Fair. I'll be there selling my books and tapes. I'll be there both Saturday and Sunday. Let me see if I've got the card. that. Oh, yes. KPFA Crafts and Music Fair, December 9 and 10. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'd hope to be there both days most of the time. It's at the Concourse, 8th and Brand in San Francisco. 220 booths of original arts and crafts. Free shuttles from the Civic Center, BART Station, 8th and Market Streets. Oh, my gosh. If you want to know stuff about the fair, you call KPFA. Uh, just our regular number, you know, the five-and-dime area code, 848-6767, and then extension 611. My extension here for messages is 630. Uh, anyway, it's happening on the weekend of December 9 and 10, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and as I said, I'll be there with books and tapes to sell And I hope a handful of freebies, at least something to give away, uh, poems and essays and free thought. I think of it. I'll make a box and call it free thought. There's a lot of live performance and food and jazz and all kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure you'll be hearing advertisements for the Crafts Fair. Uh, Let's see, I've reprinted one book that came out a few years ago, so I have one more. I have four books and maybe at least six or eight different tapes. Uh, Okay, I hope to see some of you there. Now, today I got up and heard the news that the awesome filmmaker Robert Altman has died at age 81. Altman changed a lot of things in the movies. Uh, I was digging in my files and I couldn't find my review for Three Women, but I just recommend it to you off the top of my head. Uh, Robert Altman's film Three Women is one of his most idiosyncratic movies. Either you like it or you don't. The critics didn't seem to know what to do with it. Altman said it came to him in a dream. It's a mysterious movie, surreal, very beautiful. Swimming pools with prehistoric images on the bottom of the pool, you know, water. Uh, Oh, I see that movie as a kind of race memory, maybe. An invocation of the ancient triple goddess. Maiden, mother, and crone, if you like. Make anything of the movie you like, uh was in that sissy spacek um, oh golly uh, the women well the three women are basically each other it's one of my favorite themes I once wrote a play called three hands clapping in which the women split off into three actual persons but they form a kind of primal family they are the original Trinity, in fact, the Maiden Mother and crone uh Shelley Duval plays a completely euphoric character. never mind i uh maybe next week I can bring in the um uh, the whole review for Robert Altman's Three women, but check it out. I'm never sure whether to talk about movies that people have to go and pick up at <laughs> pick up at the video store. I keep thinking I should review something that's just come out. But everything that's just come out is such a headache. I think it's time for us to treat the movies the same way we treat the books. Just remember they're still on the shelf. Let's see now. I have a whole pile of, what do we call those, stick-ups here. All of the things I was so anxious to tell you because I thought I would be off the air next Tuesday, but I'm not. I will be on they're doing some archive specials next week, but from 3 to 4 next Tuesday the 28th. I will be back on the air, it says here. Uh, now, here is a note you must know. Yes, Salman Rushdie agrees with Henry Kissinger. That struck me between the eyes. They both think that we should, we should, that Iraq should simply split up into basically a federation. If not three states, then this loosely knit federation makes sense to me. I thought that that was uh, in the cards before the war even began. Uh, I've never understood why everybody thinks it's uh, a good thing for nations to hang together. Don't you think Russia was due to fall apart? Makes much more sense to me. I think it made sense back when Alex the Macedonian madman was trying to bring the peoples of the world together. You know, common language, that sort of thing. But today, we already have a common language. We have the Internet. And uh we can be together and apart, uh, uh anyway, never mind. uh we all know that democracy is impossible without an army. The rule of law only takes hold when an army stands behind it, and Iraq is uh you know uh, going to crumble. Never mind, uh, these are the things that I should leave to the news department because I'm getting like the Pope. Yes, I'm trying to think in centuries. And uh, I think the day-to-day awfulness of some of this stuff uh, is more than most of us can handle. I don't know what we should try to do except uh, hang in there and (laughs) and remain optimists. Late, late one night last week, I heard a poet on the air, uh, I think it was three or four in the morning, and it was a woman 's voice, but i don 't think it was her poem. I think she was reading it, and I was too goofy, too sleepy to hear much of it, but I remember writing down I got up and write, wrote down the few lines I could remember, and it knocked me out i 'm going to have it done in graphics and put his, put it up over my typewriter and just start a new book this week uh The lines were, well, we have narrowed it down to the butcher knife and the mockingbird. Wish us luck. I'm going to repeat that for you just in case you missed it. We have narrowed it down to the butcher knife and the mockingbird. Wish us luck. I won't be on the air this Thanksgiving morning, but I'll be on the air again next Tuesday, 28th of November. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. In darkness, from the ones who walk in love. Support clean energy and help stop global warming. This is Tom Brigham of the Three Mile Grade Band, and we've organized a special event in Berkeley on Wednesday, November 22nd. The event is in three parts, a carbon-neutral caravan through Berkeley, a clean energy rally, and a musical show with three bluegrass bands at Ashkenaz Bring your bicycles, electric, or alternative fuel vehicles to the caravan. We'll gather at 3 o'clock at 4th and Channing and parade to Ashkenaz, where the rally will begin at 5. At 8 o'clock, the show starts with three bands, Barefoot Nellie's, Three Mile Grade and a mystery headliner, emceed by Chuck Poling. The rally is free. The show is 50.